Joel chapter 3, the book right after Hosea and right before the book of Amos. Move this pad a little bit. I know that I've said this uh, a, a thousand times, just like I was saying, you know, I, I don't mind telling people that Jesus is coming, but I also have to say a lot that uh, one of the major problems in the church today is that most churches do not teach prophecy. They do not teach the coming of the Lord. And I'm wondering, what are they teaching if they're not teaching that? Uh, uh, clearly, 30% of the, of the scriptures is prophecy. But that's just what, what's written. There's a lot more because there's all kinds of, of references to prophecy throughout every, every book of scripture. So uh, when, when you put it all together, God gave us a beginning and he's pre providing us an end. An end to this world and, and the beginning of a world to come that will never end. And uh, you know, these, these, are, these are things that should excite the believer in Jesus Christ. I don't know what excites those who don't believe in prophecy or who don't study prophecy. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, they might have, and again, you know, I, I mentioned this before, you know, that there, uh, you know, some people believe things in theory. You know, I mean, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I know Jesus is coming. <laughs> yeah, but what does that mean to you? Are you looking up? Are you getting ready? Are you waiting, but doing at the same time? Because I'd rather be doing when he comes, but at the same time have an eye, you know, one eye this way and one eye that way. You know, I still want to see him come. Because he said so. He said, keep looking up and lift up your heads. Your redemption draws near. And Jesus told his own disciples, he says, don't, you know, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm coming. Tells the church, listen, I'm coming. Tells the apostles to tell the church, He's coming. So we are in a chapter here in Joel chapter 3 that is pointing now to the end of that seven-year period of time called the day of the Lord. We call it the tribulation period or the, the great tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble. We've, we've gone over all of the, the names of this time. But Joel really it's the Lord speaking through the prophet, but Joel is encapsulating really in three ver uh, chapters, and in, in, as, as I've been mentioning, of course, in the Hebrew scriptures, it's four chapters. But he's encapsulating this whole idea that judgment is coming, the day of the Lord is gonna be a great, a, a powerful and, and dreadful day to those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who do not believe in, in, uh, in the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who do not believe in the one true and living God. And yet, the hope within the, the scripture is that those who are supposed to believe, the Jewish people, the remnant of, of, uh, of, of the Jewish people, as well as the believer in Jesus Christ, though not written that way, but we know that because it is given to us in our own uh, context and in our own Bible that this is what we're looking for we, you know, and, and of course putting together the prophecies with the book of Revelation and, and also the other prophetic books within or prophetic mentions within the New Testament give us a tremendous picture of everything falling into place and this is falling into place as you will see in just a moment let's, let's read the first eight verses we studied verses one through three last time and we're going to study four through eight today but in verse one it says for behold in those days and in that time now again phrases like in those days and in that time usually point to the last part of time which is the last of the last days or the seven-year period of tribulation or what we call the day of the Lord for behold in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there. 
for my people and for my heritage Israel. And if you remember last time, the word plead doesn't mean like if he's pleading for them, you know, asking them, begging them. No, the pleading is presenting a case against them uh, for what they've done uh, to Israel. He says, I'll plead with them there for my people, for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people. <laughs> and have given a boy for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Yea, and what have you to do with me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the coast of Palestine or Philistia? Or, you know, as I was mentioning, and I'll talk again about that, uh, Palestina is an interesting word that was used here by the King James translators because it ends up becoming prophetic. Israel is dealing with one of its major enemies who are called Palestine or Palestinian. I'll talk about it more in a moment. Will you render me a recompense? And if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? Because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples my goodly thing, uh, pleasant things. The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have you sold unto the Grecians that you might remove them far from their border. Behold, I will raise them out of the place whither you have sold them and will return your recompense upon your own head. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah and they shall sell them to the Sabians to a people far off, for the Lord has spoken it. The prophet Joel in this closing chapter foretells the restoration of the Jewish people. He is foretelling the restoration of the Jewish people. The exiles and the saved remnant of Israel will be gathered together and the eventual blessings of a new millennium. Right after the seven years of tribulation, a new millennium, something implied by Joel and expanded by Isaiah and many of the Hebrew prophets. It is going to marvelously erupt upon the, upon the earth, upon the world, this millennia, this, this a millennial kingdom of the Messiah. So the Jewish people will take their place now in that time, right after the seven-year period of tribulation, under their Messiah, Yeshua. Yeshua, of course, is Jesus under their Messiah Jesus as head of all the nations from his throne in the city of Zion, Jerusalem. And today we are seeing serious indications that these end time events are nearing their appearance. The state of Israel is reborn. We know that, 1948. State of Israel reborn. There could not be a fulfillment of prophecy without Israel being around. The state of Israel is reborn. People who actually study the scriptures down through the ages came to the realization that that was indeed a miracle. Never before has anyone, any nation, ancient people ever come back like that. Some ancient peoples have been around, certainly. But when you compare something, you compare, for example, Egypt. Egyptians have been around for, for a long time. But the, the, the DNA makeup of, of Egyptians today is quite different. Uh, there would be a lot more Arab, there would be a lot more of, of other uh, uh, Middle Eastern types of nations uh, mixed in, uh, you know, to form uh, Egyptians and, and uh, Ethiopians and, and whatnot. Even, even Ethiopia is different too. Uh, none, none has stayed as pure as the people of Israel as, as the children of, of Israel and Judah. So that's a very significant thing. So the state of Israel is reborn and the Jews are returning to the land from all over the world. Talked about it a little bit last week. Returning to the land. That's another serious thing. And another serious thing, the language. A language that had been really just lost was restored. In the, in the, in the late 19th, early 20th century, So, uh, all of these are indicators of something that is indeed happening uh, prophetically. But the reality of the day of the Lord still has to be addressed as the Lord himself declares that he will gather all nations 
in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which as we saw last time is in or near Jerusalem, in the Kidron Valley, between the Mount of Olives and the Eastern Gate. All of that is the Kidron Valley. That is more than likely the very place where Jehoshaphat gathered the people together to pray unto the Lord. There in 2 Chronicles 20, I hope you all read it last week, 2 Chronicles 20, they, they, they you know, fell on their faces before the Lord, crying out to God for deliverance. And the Lord told them, put the worship team out in front, start praising me, and don't worry about the battle. The battle doesn't belong to you, the battle belongs to me. And God took care of those three nations that came against uh, the Moabites, Ammonites, and, the, and the, Mount, the people of Mount Seir. And they destroyed themselves in reality. <coughs> so he's going to gather all the nations in that very same valley of Jehoshaphat and judge them. He's going to judge nations collectively, all together, and individually. For the way, and, and listen again, because we, we talked about this last time, for the way they treated the Jewish people. They will be judged for how they treated the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. I have to interject here very quickly that, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, just don't understand Israel. They don't understand it. They, they, they you know, they, they actually become anti-Semites. They, 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 don't, they don't like the Jewish people because they're, they're, they feel like, you know, they're exclusive or they try to be exclusive. But here's, this, here's, the, here's the, their dilemma. God told them to be. God told them to be different. God told them to be separate. Oh, everybody likes the Jews that likes to mix with everybody else. <laughs> but when the Jews are trying to be obedient, they have to be different than everybody else. That's, that's one thing that people need to understand about Israel and the Jewish people. Well, that's just, that's, but see, that doesn't matter to the Lord. The Lord just said, how do you treat them? I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Genesis chapter 13. <laughs> so as I stated last time, pay attention <coughs> to the personal pronouns that the Lord uses in verses 2 through 5. Let's go back to those. Just, let me just read them again to you very quickly. I will also gather all the nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there. And notice this, for my people... God is saying, they're mine. My people, for my heritage Israel, notice, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. The land belongs to God. And they have cast lots for my people. Casting lots would be like you know, buying and selling of slaves. They've done this to my people. And have given a boy for a harlot I mean, they've even used kids, you know, selling kids for, you know, for prostitutes, selling a girl for wine that they might drink. All for their own pleasures. And then he says, yea, and what have you to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coasts of Palestine? Will you render me a recompense? And if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? I'm, by the way, I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Don't think that I'm just going to pass over it. No. Verse 5, because you have taken my silver and my gold. Whatever the Jews had was given to them by God. Therefore, when they stole it from the Jewish people, they were stealing it from God. It's his. And have carried into your temples my goodly, pleasant things. Now, with that in mind, our study for this evening begins in verse 4 of our text. Yea, and what have you to do with me, O Tyre and Sidon? And all the coasts of Palestine. Will you render me a recompense? And if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? The Lord was referring here to Tyre and Sidon, which, by the way, is modern day Lebanon. Modern day Lebanon is where Tyre and Sidon, the ancient cities and city states, were. And he mentions Philistia. Now some of your translations would say Philistia. Mine reads the coast of Palestine. And again, as I talked about the new, uh, or I should say the King James translators back in, uh, in, in 1611 or before that, 
that they used a term that actually wasn't that, uh, you know, I, I did some research on Palestine, uh, the name of Palestine, because the, uh, the common understanding is that Emperor Hadrian, uh, the Roman Emperor Hadrian, because of his hatred for the Jews, was the one who, who went ahead and, and named it uh, uh, Palestina. And, uh, and that because he wanted, he wanted the Jews to know it wasn't their land anymore. And uh, Palestina was a word that had been used actually going back to 1150 BC, the word Palestina was, uh, was derived from, uh, from a word that uh, just talked about the region of, of, of land. It wasn't talking about a people, it was talking about a region of land. So uh, later on, the, the, Greek, uh, uh, the Greek philosophers and Greek scholars and Greek historians used the term Palestina for the, for the area again. So when Hadrian is, is, uh, is, is given the, uh, you know, the, uh, the credit for, for that, uh, it, it may or may not be. It may, it may be that he called it Palestine just because that's what it was called, the land. But nonetheless, it, it's quite possible because historically speaking, he did hate the Jews and didn't like the Jews at all, didn't want the Jews to be in the land. So uh, rather than call it Israel, he, 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 he himself would say, well, let's just, just emphasize Palestina. So that word comes actually as a derivative of the word Philistia, the Philistines that took the coasts. By the way, they came from another country that started with a PH, the Phoenicians. So the Phoenicians came, settled, then Philistia was, uh, you know, then the, the land was, was known for that uh, sort of people. We know, you know, who the Philistines were. We know one of the Philistines, his name was Goliath, I believe. He was a giant. And uh, uh, so we, we know where they were. And this is, again, just talking about the coasts there surrounding Israel or just north of Israel. Okay, well, I said I'll spend a lot of time on that because I really want you to realize that because the King James translators used the word Palestine, the more I look at it, the more I realize that's prophetic. There's a reason. Because today, one of the greatest enemies of Israel is Palestine and the people who call themselves Palestinians. But there are no Palestinians. In reality, there were never any Palestinians. There were Philistines, but, you know, they pretty much you know, got mixed into the whole uh, bunch. So uh, there's, there is no Palestine to speak of. Anyway, all that said. So these are nations that are particularly blameworthy. That's why they're here. God is singling them out for guilt for what they've done to Israel. They're nations that are particularly blameworthy and responsible for much of the hatred against Israel. And it's just passed on until today. There's tremendous hatred against Israel. The terrorist group, for example, Hezbollah. Hezbollah is is an Arabic name for the party of God. Well, Hezbollah now controls the government of Lebanon. Hezbollah is Shia. That means that they're connected actually to Iran. Uh, because the, the, the Iranian uh, um, of, uh, branch of, of, uh, of Islam is, is, is the militant branch, as it were. And uh, so they're connected. Hezbollah is connected to Shia, uh, the Shia uh, group. Uh, they, again, they control the government of, of Lebanon. They got rid of the Christian. You know, Lebanon used to be a Christian nation. At one time, Lebanon was Christian. Uh, they had a Christian leader. Uh, that uh, person was deposed and then there was another leader came later he was assassinated and eventually Hezbollah took over the government and uh, then there's another terrorist organization and, and that's Hamas how many of you have heard of Hamas okay just just a few of you know all of you ho- hopefully Hamas by the way is an acronym for the Islamic resistance movement uh, each of the letters in, in Hebrew in uh, uh, Arabic stand for, eventually it comes out to Islamic resistance movement. The word Hamas, though, in, in Arabic means courage or zeal. Courage or zeal. And it is a Palestinian fundamental orga, uh, fundamentalist organization. It's actually more, uh, 
uh, Sunni, which is a different uh, branch of, of Islam. But nonetheless, they are still the most fundamental and the most terroristic of, of the Sunni groups that are uh, uh, against Israel. And by the way, it is interesting that Hamas is regarded by Israel, the U.S., and the European Union as a terrorist organization, while Russia, China, and Turkey do not regard uh, uh, Hamas as a terrorist organization. I just find that really interesting, that Russia and Turkey together, remember now we've tied them together in Ezekiel chapter 38, and uh, so what's happening now in, 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 uh, in the alliances that are being uh, built between Russia, Turkey, uh, and, uh, and Iran. So what is that telling you? If you're following along, uh, you know, you're getting to know the players in the, on the scorecard, you know. Now, in biblical times, these nations, uh, we're talking about uh, Tyre, Sidon, and, uh, and Philistia. These nations occupied the coastal territories of Israel. The Lord was accusing these enemies of the Jewish people of plundering God's land and selling his people into slavery. And if, if, they were able, uh, if they were able to today, they would do the very same thing. This is one of the things that they want to do. You know, we hear about the, you know, the, the talk that they want to destroy Israel. I can remember back in the 50s that uh, the, uh, the president of Egypt, uh, Abdul Nasser, was the first that I heard uh, and knew that wanted to, wanted to push Israel into, into the Mediterranean Sea. And that became a cry of, of many of the Arab leaders in and around the, uh, uh, the nation of Israel. They want, uh, if, you, if you look at uh, map making in, in the uh, Arab states today, go to, go to their maps and you know what? They don't have Israel on the map. It's all called Palestine. They do not have Israel on the map. That's how much they hate Israel. <laughs> so if they were able to today, I mean, they do the very same thing, if not destroy Israel outright. So we have seen now how these Arab countries have come back into prominence. The ones that we're, we're speaking of here today. They continue to harbor some of Israel's most bitter and persistent foes who may one day seize the opportunity when Israel is overwhelmed by the soon Russian invasion. And again, don't think that it's not going to happen. Don't think that all of a sudden the UN is going to rise up and say, oh, Lord, you know, you can't, you can't come and attack Israel. In fact, they probably would welcome it. There hasn't been one resolution given in the United, in, in the United Nations that has been for Israel. Not one. Most of them, if not all of them, have been condemnations of Israel. And the security councils are not made up of people that are friendly to Israel or to the United States of America. Most of them are the enemies of, of both nations. Let you know who they're afraid of. I'd be afraid of God. The God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'd be afraid of him. As a matter of fact, we're going to bring that up here in just a minute. And, and what I mentioned about Israel being overwhelmed by, by the Russian invasion and allowing these nations to try to come in and, and, and take, uh, take Israel, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just another scenario that includes a, another possible future conflict. The Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38, you know. Uh, when we talked about them, I put Psalm 83 be happening before uh, Ezekiel 38, the Gog-Magog war. Uh, but they could be happening simultaneously or one before the other, depending on which one. That, you know, the Lord can take care of for us. But that's what's out there happening right now. So this is the reason why I say if the Bible tells us that these alliances are being made thousands of years before they happen. They're being made now in, in front of our eyes, Russia and Turkey, Gog and Magog, Rosh and Magog, 
If these things are happening today, Iran, Persia is also in this alliance. If all of these things are happening and we know the players, do you think that it's just happenstance? That it's just, wow, what a... No. God has, is warning us, telling us, listen, this is happening. So the doors may open for these nations to rush in and, and indulge their anti-Semitic hatred. Now, sadly, that anti-Semitism is starting to gain ground in the United States. Well, there's always been anti-Semitic uh, uh, tendencies by many groups. You know, as much as, as, much as the Ku Klux Klan uh, hated the uh, you know, African Americans, I mean, back in, in in, in the in the, in the 18, what is it, 19th century, um, they they just as much hate the Jews. So it's just hatred upon hatred. But listen, let, let, let me read the first eight verses of Psalm 83 to you because I want you to see see some of the the connections with names. First of all, it says, "Keep not thou silence, O God; hold not thy peace." And be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. Did you, did you notice they that hate thee? What these nations are doing is not hating Israel so much as they're hating the God of Israel. Think about that for just a moment. And doing it brazenly, I might add. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people... Israel, and consulted against thy hidden ones. That would be the remnant as well as, by the way, think about this, the believer in Jesus Christ. They have, they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. See, they just want to get rid of Israel. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. It comes back to that. It just comes back to the fact that they're not so much against Israel as they are against the God of Israel. This is the reason why in the book of Revelation there's comments made concerning man on the earth being judged by God and they're lifting their hands and fists unto God, upset at him for the way that he's judging them. My thought is always, well, I thought you didn't believe there's somebody up there that you can <laughs> throw your fist at. Crazy, isn't it? They have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom, that's Esau's family, and the Ishmaelites, those are the Arabs, of Moab. The Moabites came out of, uh, of, of Lot. The Hagarines, uh, Gebal, uh, Ammon, also Lot, Amalek. And notice this. The Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, the coastal region. Ashur, being of Syria, also is joined with them. They have hope in the children of Lot, Selah. So this will most likely take place when the Antichrist turns against the Jews. Because remember... The Antichrist is going to make a, 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 a pact or a covenant with God's people for seven years. But in the middle of that seven-year period, he's going to break the covenant himself and he's going to go in and desecrate the temple three and a half years into the seven-year period of tribulation. Declare himself to be God. And of course, this is going to stir up, uh, you know, it kind of brings to mind, again, Jehoshaphat and these nations that were actually in, in confederacy against Israel were the ones that destroyed themselves. Well, some of those nations that were backing um, Antichrist or would be backing Antichrist or will be backing Antichrist will also <laughs> come against Antichrist. Well, we'll have to go back to the book of Revelation to talk about that. But, but nonetheless, uh, it's, it, he's going to turn against the Jews. And again, this has to take place when? 
in the day of the Lord. The great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. Because it's not the time of the church's trouble. The church is not here. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. But consider, if you will, the statement that the Lord makes to these nations in verse 4. The one that I kept reading that you all kept saying, I wonder why he keeps reading it and I don't understand it. Okay, well, let's understand it. Yea, and what have you to do with me, O Tyre and Sidon, or Sidon, and all the coasts of Palestine? What do you have to do with me, he says? Will you render to me a recompense? You know what he's saying here to them? He's saying, are you paying me back? Are you paying me back? Or are you trying to get even with me? That's a recompense. Paying somebody back for something that they did to you. Paying it back. Not in a good way. But in a, in a, in a destructive way. God is saying to them, are you paying me back? Or are you trying to get even with me? I'll quickly bring vengeance and payback to your own head. <laughs> That's what he was saying. You coming after me, I'm coming after you. Folks, I don't want to be on their side. It doesn't sound healthy. It doesn't sound healthy at all. Yeah, I mean, it would seem quite foolish and extreme. I mean, extremely logical <laughs> to think that any person or nation could seek revenge against the Lord and win the fight. Not going to happen. And because of such irrational and reckless behavior, and by the way, that's all we see in Washington today. Honestly, irrational and reckless behavior. But in this case, we, this irrational, reckless behavior, that of mistreating God and his people, the Lord will execute true and swift judgment upon those nations. Each will reap exactly what it sowed against God's chosen people and those who have truly followed the Lord. You see, these nations profited from Judah's destruction. Turn back to Ezekiel chapter 25. Ezekiel 25 verses 15 through 17. And notice the names here. Thus saith the Lord God, because the Philistines, the Palestinian, because the Philistines have dealt by revenge and have taken vengeance with a despiteful heart to destroy it for the old hatred, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will stretch out my hand upon the Philistines, and I will cut off the Keratims. That's the executioners, the ones who have been going around destroying. You remember a few years ago when ISIS was in the news just about every day, and they were taking people and cutting their heads off like executioners? And doing it mostly to Christians. I'll cut off the Kedithims. And destroy the remnant of the seacoast. And I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes. And they shall know that I am the Lord. By the way, keep that in mind. They shall know that I am the Lord. When I shall lay vengeance. My vengeance. Upon them. But the nations will also be guilty of stealing and plundering God's wealth and giving it to the false gods worshipped by their deceived citizens. In this particular case, when you think about it, Islam is that false religion with a false god. Because when you look at the history of, of the beginnings of Islam, they were actually competing to see which God, they, had all, they all had many gods, and which God would actually win out. And it happened to be this one named Allah. But they believed in many gods at the time. So one God wins out, but he's not the true God. And here's some more foolishness back in, at 9-11, and actually it's been around for a long time, thinking that we all believe in the same God. Folks, does it make any sense that if we believe in the same God, why are we killing each other? Does it make any sense at all? Of course not. That's ludicrous. Ridiculous. But then you have these world leaders trying to be diplomats and say, oh yes, you know, we, have, we believe in the same God. 
Well, man, I tell you what, go back to school. Like the school of the Bible and, and read what it says. There's only one God. And theirs is not him. Our God is. And he's proved it time and time and time and time again through his people and through the church. So the nations are going to be guilty of stealing, plundering God's wealth. Taking all of that to their false gods. Uh, that's verse 5, by the way, of Joel. Because you have taken my silver and, go and my gold. He, he, again, they're, they're taking God's stuff. They're not taking Israel's. It's, it's God's. And have carried it into your temples, my goodly, pleasant things. You see, the wealth of the earth belongs to the Lord as well as every gift that fills the very treasuries of his temple. And because he is the creator of the heavens and the earth, he has every right to all the wealth in the world, doesn't he? God has all the right to it. Therefore, the Lord has every right to say where all wealth is to be distributed and how it is to be used. Man, man has a silly way of thinking. You know, we have something called capitalism. It really hasn't hurt us at all down through the ages, but then now we got this thing called, you know, socialism, and we want to take from, I mean, it's just Robin Hood theology, you know? Robin, like robbing, R-O-B-B-I-N-G, robbing hood. But then when you think about it, everything belongs to God anyway. So now the Lord's word teaches us that the wealth of the world is to be used to subdue nature, to develop righteous societies and nations, to help the weak and the needy, to support and show compassion to the helpless, to reach the world with a glorious message of, of the gospel of salvation, and to meet the needs of his temple, primarily churches and worship centers. This is what his wealth is there to do. So consider this message from the Lord to Sidon in Ezekiel 28, verses 20 through 24. Ezekiel 28, 20. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Sidon, modern-day Lebanon, and prophesy against it, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Sidon, and I will be glorified in the midst of thee, and they shall know that I am the Lord. There's that phrase again. They shall know that I am the Lord. When I, have, when I shall have executed judgments in her, and shall be sanctified in her. For I will send into her pestilence and blood into her streets, illnesses of all kinds, tragedies of, of all kinds in the streets. And the wounded shall be judged in the midst of her by the sword upon her and on every side, and they shall know that I am the Lord." The reason why this is coming up all the time is because he's saying to them, listen, you don't know who you're fighting. And there shall be no more a pricking briar unto the house of Israel, nor any grieving thorn of all that are round about them, that despise them. They shall know that I am the Lord, your, uh, I am the Lord God. That's what judgment is going to ultimately say to all these nations today and all these peoples who have come against God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The nations will also be guilty of capturing and selling God's peoples as slaves. Verse 6. The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have you sold unto the Grecians that you might remove them far from their border. Well, where did the Jews go? How many times were they scattered? How many times were they sent all over the place? And eventually, in AD 70, they were spread throughout all the world for 2,000 years. Until now, when they're coming back. But this is one of the most atrocious crimes that can be committed against fellow human beings. There is to be a relationship of love. Listen carefully. There is to be a relationship of love and care between all people on the earth. I know that sounds ideal. But that's the way God had intended it. How do we know that? Because even the commandments given to Moses would be summed up by the Lord Jesus when he was asked the question in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? 
And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. In other words, with everything that is within you. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, which means the second is like it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Even among nations, when this aspect of caring, <coughs> excuse me, of caring and, and love among the nations has been broken, <coughs> people and nations become guilty before God. Israel was as much guilty of it at times. Consider once again judgments that are outlined for the nations mentioned in our, in, in our text. The nations men mentioned in our text. That's, that's what I meant to say. I don't want you to think that I'm going to our text. As a matter of fact, I'm going to next, the next book over, which is Amos. Amos chapter 1. Turn there if you will. And consider the judgments that are outlined for those that are mentioned in, in Joel chapter 3. Amos chapter 1 verse 6. Thus saith the Lord. For three transgressions of Gaza and for four. I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Because they carried away captive the whole captivity. To deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza. Is there a place called Gaza today? Very much so. They were in the news last week. Even though it was considered that they made a mistake in sending these, these rockets from Gaza into uh, Tel Aviv or into the uh, uh, certain parts of Israel, uh, even if there was a mistake, uh, Israel went and, and retaliated. Boom, boom, boom. And people were injured, but they were just sending up a, a message that said, hey, what are you doing? Uh, we pressed the wrong button. We were cleaning. I was cleaning my gun. Yeah, right. But that was in Gaza, by the way. So here we are. <clears throat> but I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, which, is, which shall devour the palaces thereof, and I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, and him that holdeth the scepter from Ashkelon. <laughs> These are real places in Israel. And I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines, there's the Philistines, shall perish, uh, saith the Lord God, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyrus, there's Tyre, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, <laughs> because they delivered up the whole captivity of Edom and remembered not the brotherly covenant. The covenant between Edom and Jacob. But I will send a fire on the wall of Tyrus, which shall devour the palaces thereof. So this brings us to what can only be considered as God's perfect justice. Verses 7 and 8 of Joel 3. Notice what it says. Behold, I will raise them out of the place whither you have sold them. Speaking of his people, I will raise them up out of the place whither you have sold them and will return your payback, your recompense, upon your own head. And I will send your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah. And they shall sell them to the Sabians, to a people far off, for the Lord has spoken it. Although many of the Jews had been enslaved down through the centuries and deported to other nations, a day was coming when the Lord would arouse them to return home. But the destiny of the nations who had mistreated God's people would be far, far different. These wicked nations would be repaid for the evil that they had committed. They would see their children given by the Lord as captives to Judah. And Judah would sell them to the Sabians, or the Sabians, who were an Arabian people from Sheba. Some of you may remember in 1 Kings, the meeting of the queen of Sheba with Solomon. Centuries earlier. Now, this prophecy has been partially fulfilled, by the way, down through the ages. 
as nation after nation conquering, uh, conquered the area, capturing and enslaving the survivors. <clears throat> but each of these disasters was only a foreshadowing of God's future judgment of the nations. In the last days, which we call the Day of the Lord, a seven-year period of, of time, when the Messiah returns to set up God's kingdom on earth, all nations will serve under him. All nations will serve under Messiah. Jesus will establish the seat of his government in Jerusalem, and all nations will become submissive and obedient to Israel and to Israel's king. In that day, Jerusalem will finally receive the honor that was always due the great city of God. An honor that we see mentioned in Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 12. Fear thou, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. <coughs> Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shall not find them. Even them that contended with thee they that war against thee shall, shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. You can also read in Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, these words. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this. And one more passage, actually a couple more. Obadiah chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, and really there's only one chapter. In Obadiah, but it says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Think about that. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. That is a principle of the scriptures. You dig a hole to bury somebody, you're going to be buried in that same hole. See that in the book of Proverbs a lot. For as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink and they shall swallow down and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Jump down to verse 21, the last verse of Obadiah. And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And I want to say lastly, but I got two more passages. <laughs> Almost lastly. Micah chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. And lastly, Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. I've, these are a lot of the minor prophets I'm, I'm quoting tonight because they have a very common theme so in Zephaniah 2 verses 4 through 7 it says for Gaza shall be forsaken and Ashkelon a, desol a desolation they shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday and Ekron shall be rooted up woe unto the inhabitants of the sea coast the nation of the Keratites the word of the Lord is against you O Canaan the land of the Philistines I will even destroy thee that there shall be no inhabitant and the seacoast shall be dwellings and cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. And the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed thereupon. In the houses of Ashkelon they shall lie down in the evening 
for the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. You are paying Israel with this hatred, with this anti-Semitism, with this terrorism. You were paying them. But you were doing it to me. And I pay back. My recompense will be upon your head. Now, we're in a position today where we are seeing these things happen. We're seeing the signs. You know, a number of years, uh, way before, actually, you know, if we were looking at maybe the early part of the 20th century, there was some prophetic interest. But for the most part, little by little, signs were starting to appear. And then you got to the 60s, and and, and there, there were even more signs because, first of all, 1948, Israel becomes a nation again. Then there's all these struggles that started taking place. The day after they became a nation, they were fighting for their existence. They were fighting to stay alive. And eventually, uh, you know, they, they, they would conquer their adversaries. They, they would then um, have to deal with other attacks from Egypt and, and other parts of the region, uh, Jordan and whatnot. Um, 1956, there was, a, there was a, a conflict there. And then, then of course, in 1967 was the Six-Day War. And uh, then in 1973 was the Yom Kippur War. A little contentions in between all of that. Then later came the uh, Antifada, the, uh, uh, which was in the 80s. You know, I mean, So they've been fighting for their existence all this time. All because of the hatred of the Jewish people and the hatred of, of the God of the Jews. This is what the, the scripture is telling us. And uh, so, as we look at the world today, we see what's happening. And there was someone back in the, in the mid-20th um, century, maybe early part of the 20th century, in the 40s and 50s, a preacher who was looking at all the signs and, 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 and noting them, you know, well, these things are starting to happen. That, well, that's right here in the Bible. That's right here in the scriptures. Eventually he came, before he, before he went home to be with the Lord, he said, I used to look at all the signs, and I, you know, we, we'd point to the signs. I don't look at the signs anymore. I listen for the sound, the sound of the trumpet. He said, the sound of the trumpet is next. We've got the signs all around us. It's time to start listening for the trumpet.